And uh, from our friends, uh, Kenny and Louise Blacksmith, they are the deputy chief of the Cree Indian Nation up in northern Quebec. And uh, they just called out of the blue. They're in Dallas. And I told them, hey, why don't you come down to Granbury and bless us? But I don't see them yet. But I don't know if he saw geese flying this morning or what. <laughs> he may be here, may not. And if they do end up being here, I'll welcome them on up just to greet you. Uh, in the meantime, our youngest, Abigail Shalom, is with us. We just returned back in the States in July and then went on a 20-state and Canada tour. And then, then we went to 20, 10 states west and then uh, France and Italy in uh, all of October and part of November. And Abigail has some testimonies or whatever she has. You can share them now. Feel a little dangerous. Um, well, it has. It's been wonderful to be back. We've uh, up until July, like Dad said, we were in Cyprus, working with Gateways Beyond. Um, I believe you guys know the ministry. But uh, in all of our travels since then, and in, in the entire 30 states, from literally east coast to west coast, north to south borders, we've just been seeing God move in amazing, amazing, amazing ways in our in our personal uh, lives and family, as well as in all the different churches, denominations, um, backgrounds, areas, regions um, we've been in that have been light and dark difference. But um, God's still showing up everywhere. And uh, we've seen literally hundreds, I would say now, um, if we kept count, at least over 50, at least, uh, noted miracles in that time. And in those places, um, everything from a finger getting healed to the entire left side of someone's body being healed to um, uh, cripples being able to walk again, people being crippled for 14 years, being able to walk again. And um, I, don't, I don't know if this is sinking in. This is pretty cool stuff. <laughs> and uh, I'm not saying it because it's, it's like a good start to the day. It's, it's a good, hey, you know, guess what happened with us? It's, it's the power of God being made known in our day. And the, the Father, Jesus said that when you see uh, demons being cast out and the sick being healed, you can say the kingdom of God has come near you. And I don't know about you, but I'm all about the kingdom of God. I'm all about heaven coming to earth. I'm all about heaven invading our circumstances, our lives, everything we are. Um, I kind of like it better up there. So I want to bring it here. Um, anyway, uh, I, I really don't even know where to start. God's just so good. So I guess I'll just give some personal testimonies because um, I'm selfish like that. Um, a couple months ago, we were out in California at uh, Bill Johnson's church. I don't know if you've heard of it, Bethel Church. And they have this real healing anointing and everything. So I thought, you know, I had my list ready. Okay, God, I'd like to be healed of this. I'd like to be healed of this. I'd like to be healed of this and that. And went to the meetings, went to the conference, went to the healing rooms. No. And, um, and I was just crying out to the Lord, like, Lord, I really want you to just meet me. I've come all this way out to California. I've been asking for healing for, um, I'd had a, I've been at a conference in Mexico and a big crusade and they had these huge speakers and it hit and it blew my ear out, my right ear out. And for seven years, I've had incredible, incredible pain. If you so much as set a glass down on a table, uh, if I didn't have something in my ear, I would get an immediate headache. 
I couldn't hear dishes clanking. I couldn't hear any type of noise, uh, loud speech even. So worship times were very hard for me. I always had to have plugs in my ears and I could never just worship freely for seven years. And um, so I was like, Lord, I want to be healed. And um, we did something very spiritual. Everyone told us, okay, you're in California. You have to go to In-N-Out Burger. I said, okay, all right. So we're going to go to In-N-Out Burger. And I'm sitting there in this restaurant, and I've already got a headache and tense shoulders because of the noise in the restaurant. And um, this uh, pastor from Bethel Church was eating lunch with us. His name is Joaquin Evans. And he's sitting across the table simply sharing testimony, which the word testimony, I'm sure you know, literally means the power for it to happen again. And he's sharing testimonies of how many deaf ears they've seen open in the last month. And they'd seen like over 70 in a month or something like that, like crazy. And um, God's just good. And so I just, right in that moment, I said, Lord, you know, I'm not going to get discouraged. You're healing ears and you're going to heal mine. And in that moment, my ear just opened up absolutely and completely right there in the restaurant. And um, it was just, it's just right there, right there as we're spiritually eating our burgers. And um, thank you, Jesus. Whoa. Yeah. A whopper. Receive that anointing, right? Is everybody getting hungry yet? So my mom had uh, two, herni- two or three herniated discs in her back, and she was sitting next to me. She'd had her back thrown up for about two months. And um, she just starts crying right there in the restaurant, weeping when I say, I'm healed, Mama, I'm healed. And she just reaches over to hug me, and when she touches me, she gets healed. And her back gets completely aligned right there. And uh, pretty cool, right? And so... Uh, <laughs> So why am I saying these things? Why am I just getting up here and sharing these things that seem a million miles over our heads and, okay, cool, we believe it can happen, we'll wait for it to happen here type. No, it's because the power of testimony. Anywhere, in any restaurant, or in any circumstance, in any, no matter how long you've waited for your healing, no matter how small your faith is, if you have that faith, there's the power today, I believe, in this place for those things to happen again. I believe with every every piece of my being that God is here to do it again today. Why? Because he's here and because he loves us and he loves people and he loves to do good for us. And so I'm sharing these things, not only to give glory to God, but to get more glory for him by releasing that power in the atmosphere to do it again so that he can receive even more glory, to give him glory for the things he's already done and to pursue more glory for his name for it to happen more today. And I just want to challenge you um, to keep pushing the envelope with God. I, I, you know, seven years can seem like a long time. When every worship service you're saying, God, you know, I want to be up there, uh, you know, singing, but I can't because I have to have plugs in my ears. Or, God, why do I, I want to be up front worshiping with all my heart, but I have to be in the very back, otherwise I'll get a migraine. And, you know, every worship service, and I'm in church, you know, with my dad 24-7, basically. And it was just like every time, though, every time that would come, I would press in and say, God, I, I believe you're going to do this. I know you're going to do this. Today, tomorrow, whenever, but you're going to do it. Thank you, Father. And I believe he's here to do it today. And... Mm, just feel the anointing right now. If you need healing in your body in any any capacity whatsoever, uh, just as an act of faith, if you could just lift up your hands, and I just want to pray this into the atmosphere right now. 
Father God, right now, by the authority of Jesus, by the, <laughs> the power of the blood and the word of our testimony, Father, we release this healing anointing in the atmosphere right now to heal bodies, souls, spirits, Father. Father, I ask for your spirit to move like a flame of fire throughout this building. Bring heat and, and healing to every, every area that needs it, God. God, to hearts that are discouraged, to, to limbs that are broken, Father, to eyes that need sight, Father, to asthma, to whatever, Father, but bring it like a fiery flame that consumes anything that is not of you. Thank you for your goodness, Papa. You're so good. Thank you, Father. Just, uh, anybody that's having ear trouble, why don't you just put your finger in the ear that's giving you the trouble and just pray right now, Abigail, into that right now, the opening of the Father. deaf ears in Jesus' name. Father, I ask for the opening, Father, that... Mm, mm, for the opening and for the closing, Father, the closing off of every uh, every pain, every broken area, every every uh, ruptured eardrum. Right now, we speak a closure to it, a healing, uh, a mending of that tear, and every deaf and dumb spirit. We rebuke you right now in the name of Jesus Christ. We say right now, ears be healed in the name of Jesus right now. Eyes be healed. Eyes be opened. Mm. I just feel like there's an anointing today for um, anyone who has eye trouble, even long-standing, even if it's been gradual, even if it's just glasses, not like astigmatism or anything like that or blindness, that there's uh, anointing right now. God's, I just see um, eye salve going on eyes today. For um, and I, I see it like a gradual thing that is just going to begin to strengthen and strengthen and strengthen. And you're going to go back to the doctor and your prescription is going to be lowered and lowered and lowered. But uh, anyway, hallelujah. You are calling me, I hear you. Deeper into you I run to worship you alone. You are God alone. You are everything that I adore. You are calling. Me, I hear you deeper into you. I run to worship you alone. You are God alone. You are everything that I adore. You're my Lord, you're all I long for. In your hand there's power to heal, 
power to love. You're my Lord. You're my treasure. You're enthroned in holiness, majesty. You're my Lord. You're all I long for. In your hand there's power to heal. Power to love. You're my Lord. You're my treasure. You're enthroned in holiness. Majesty. You're enthroned in holiness. Majesty. Precious, wonderful Jesus, we enthrone you on our praises today. We lift you high and exalt you in this house, Lord. We thank you that you said that the earth would be filled with your glory. We thank you, Lord, that your eyes, the eyes of the Lord, are in every place. We thank you that your glory is here we thank You that Your eyes are upon us. And we thank You, Lord, that Your deep calls our deep. I ask You even now, Spirit of the Lord, that You would descend in might and power upon our lives. We ask that You would not just come and touch just for a moment, but we ask that You would brood, that You would rest upon us during this season. I thank You for the release of the spirit of prophecy. I thank You, Lord, for the unction and anointing that breaks free captives, God. I thank You for, the Lord, the tearing down of every vain imagination. Lord, the bringing down everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. We thank You, Jesus, that Your enemies are being subdued now and they are under Your feet. Hallelujah. They are under Your feet. Jesus, You reign. Jesus, reign over us. Why don't we just do that now? Can we just declare this with, just say, Jesus, reign over my life. Jesus, reign over us today. Reign over my marriage, my family, my home, my life. You are sovereign and you are my Lord. Hallelujah. Let's give Him praise right now. Whoa! Thank you, God. You know what? He's in a good mood. <laughs> God is in a good mood. Well, I thought that was a good thing to state. He really, 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 really loves you. Yeah, he ne never had a bad hair day in his life. Thank you, Lord. I mean, he got up on the good side because he never went down on the bad side. Somebody give him praise right now. I'm telling you, we just need to enjoy the fullness that he has for us and enjoy 
His great love and His great mercy. Well, it's interesting what the Lord quickened to me as we were driving here. So let's start out and turn to the last chapter of Malachi. The Lord began to speak to me about this hill and this ground that we're meeting on. So we'll look in chapter 4, Malachi, in verse 5 and 6, the last two verses of the Old Covenant. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming and great and dreadful day of the Lord. Listen carefully to the first words of verse 6. And he will turn. I want to read that again. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. Now turn over to the Gospel of Luke in the very first chapter. And you'll see the words of the angel to Zechariah, the angel Gabriel, Luke chapter 1. We'll start reading it's concerning John the Baptist and his birth. He would, we're going to find out, walk in that Elijah anointing. Verse 15, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. I want to read that again. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and to the disobedient, to the wisdom of the just and to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Now, we know that we are living in this hour when God has been releasing the spirit of Elijah back to this earth. All over the world right now, there are unprecedented levels of God's release of this revival anointing. In, in our area where we live, in Cyprus, in the Mediterranean region, some of our team went to Malta at the very start of this year of 2008. They went to Malta to meet with, with those working amongst the Muslims in and around the Mediterranean region. Right now, they're seeing around 65,000 Muslims giving their life to Jesus Christ every month in the Muslim region of the Mediterranean. God is turning hearts. We know that in Africa, the born-again rate is... It's amazing levels of people coming into the kingdom by the hundreds of thousands. In India, in the increased persecution, 
Even that is not not stopping this forward advance of the kingdom of heaven. If if the government recognized all the Christians that have received the Lord in these past few years, immediately the Christians would number around 11 or 12% of the entire population of India. Just like that. And that's what the fight is all about right now. We have seen in Europe, in Western Europe, the beginnings of this release of the spirit and power of Elijah. The turning of hearts. But I want to hone in just for a few moments right now on this congregation. On this people. On your family. On your children. Over every wayward son or daughter or family member or extended family or friend. It is time to call them back in Jesus' name. It is time to release the spirit and power of Elijah to turn hearts. We know that every single day there is a relentless bombardment of the spirit of this world. The spirit of this world that is filled with lust, filled with the pride, filled with vanity. And that spirit that works in the sons of disobedience and this mystery of ungodliness and lawlessness that is at working at work right now is turning hearts away from God. But I, tell, I, I love this about God. He always has the answer before it's needed. Thank you for your resounding affirmation of that point. <laughs> He always has the answer before it's needed. And one of these days, it's going to just be, Jesus is going to say to the Satan, checkmate. I mean, you've just played into my move. Hallelujah. You've just played completely into what was set up before the foundation of the world for you to be trapped in. Hallelujah. Whoa! He wants to turn the hearts back to Him. He wants to release those that carry, carry a revival anointing. Carry the fire of revival in their bones. We know so much we have a saturation, many, of, about the study and the knowledge about moves of God's Spirit here in America and, and other places in the world. But I want to tell you this, it's time for another one right now. Right now. Right now. I was having one of those rare moments in on my porch, in my own home. I celebrated this week my 40th day in my home. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I have to take my dog to special counseling because of the spirit of abandonment and the orphan spirit that's on my dog. I was having a rare moment at the end of September. I think I celebrated, it was around my... 12th or 14th day in my home this year. 
And it was right during the collapse of the financial markets. And sitting there with my cup of tea on my porch, worshiping Jesus, I found deep within my spirit the old hymn just come out. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. And I felt with that old hymn just a reaffirming of my trust, not in the riches of man, not in the financial, political, social systems of man, but my anchor holds within the veil. Hallelujah. In the presence of God. And I began to see, we have seen in our trek, to be honest with you, we, weren't, we haven't been too excited about coming back to the States these past few years. We came back for relationship sake, to reconnect with some of our children and people and groups here in the States. But there really wasn't that level of excitement about coming back here. But something changed this year. There's been a shift in the spirit. Hallelujah. There's been a shift in heavenly realms. And I see and feel God is wanting to, God is leaning in on us again. Whoa. God is leaning in with his glory. He's waiting and looking to manifest his power, presence, and glory like we have not seen ever before. We've seen amazing things. Our hearts have been stirred. Abigail mentioned the miraculous that we've been seeing. That's been fun. But more than that, just the way that we've seen, it's so true that when we draw near to God, He draws near to us. Thank you, Jesus. The release of this power of Elijah, this revivalist anointing to turn hearts, the hearts of fathers back to children, children back to fathers. There in France just recently, in fact, we were actually originally scheduled to be here on the last Sunday in October. Pastor Allen graciously released us to come at another time rather than having to go back and forth across the Atlantic. We thought we'd just take a week of rest in France and near Switzerland. That was a joke. I don't know what rest is sometimes. And uh, I just called this French prophet that we work with just to protocol him and honor him, saying, hey, just wanted to let you know we're going to stay on in France uh, a week longer than planned. And all of a sudden, we ended up doing meetings all week long on this week of rest. And God poured out the spirit of Elijah. We saw it in Valence, a region that had known great revival. So strong was this revival some 500 years ago that there were villages and cities that had above 90% conversion rates in them. 
Some cities that were 100% converted. We're talking about this revival that was released through John Calvin and the Reformation movement and the, the French Huguenot, the French Protestants that walked in prophetic anointing and revival anointing to where children and young people would prophesy to the city elders where the armies of France were going to attack the city and that cities would be saved because of the prophetic wisdom that was released through children and young people. It can happen. We can see it again. Even in Montalé-Jolie near Paris, we were ministering there in this We had four of the five churches of this region come together there. And the pastor, when the spirit of Elijah came, he began to tell me and weep that on that very ground that we were at, that back in the days of the persecution, they got a teenage boy forward and were going to execute him in front of all the other children and teenagers, young people in the area, because he had been prophesying. And they they wanted to make him a public example of what would happen if they prophesied. And right before they beheaded him, he began to prophesy of the return of Jesus back to the earth. And when his blood hit the ground, the prophetic anointing fell on all the other kids, the children and teenagers, And they all began to prophesy. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for that release. I believe that we are standing in this church on contended ground. I believe that you are here by divine appointment on this hill. I believe that this is a Carmel in the Spirit. I believe that God led you by His Holy Spirit as a team of leaders and people. He led you to this place. He raised you up here to be a demonstration. He raised you up like Carmel was a place where there was a holy confrontation. And after that confrontation, there was such a release of heaven that the multitudes began to acknowledge that God was the Lord. Let's turn there to 1 Kings chapter 18. And we'll see it quickly. Yeah. Verse 30. Then Elijah said to all the people, come near to me. So all the people came near to him. And he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. And Elijah took twelve stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob to whom the word of the Lord had come saying, Israel shall be your name. Then with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord and he made a trench around the altar large enough to hold two seahs a seed. And he put the wood in order. He cut the bull in pieces and laid the wood 
and said, fill four water pots with water and pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. He said, do it a second time, do it a second time, do it a third time. They did it a third time. Water ran all around. came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known that this day that you are God in Israel, and I am your servant, and that I have done all these things at your word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me that this people may know that you are the Lord, and that you have turned their hearts back to you again. Verse 38, then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice. Wood, stones, dust licked up the water that was in the trench. And when the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. Now, Why did we take the time to read this passage? Because one man who knew God was able to turn a nation back to God. One man who stood, he said, I stand in the presence of God. I stand before God. That's what qualifies me to speak. It's not my training. It's not my religious activity. It's that I stand in His presence. That I stand before this fiery one who is a consuming fire. And when I stand before him, my heart burns with love for him. And there is this fire touching fire. He was confident of what God had called him to do. He knew that he was one that God commissioned to stand in the gap, to stand between the living and the dead. To say to a people that had been taken away by idolatry and immorality, to stand and say, we've, you've, you've got to stop and we've got to do something. We've got to stop this insanity that's going on. And the first thing that he said, he said, come near me. Don't be afraid. Come near. Get near. Get near this fire that's on me. Get near this God that I know. I'm just thinking right now in balance. There was a wayward young man in the home that we were staying. His name is Baptiste. Can you imagine having a name Baptiste and being away from God? And his father's name is Christian. And we get ready to go to this meeting on my day of rest. Go to this meeting that I'm going to speak at on my day of rest. Hallelujah. And we head out, we get in the car, and Baptiste is not there. 
They've been trying to tell me how bad he was doing and how they couldn't sleep at night because of what he was doing, all these kind of things. He's off with an unsaved girlfriend and all these different problems and how they were at their ends with and, and with sin, whatever. <laughs> and uh, I just go back in. I said, Baptiste, you're not coming to the meeting. I need your help. Come on. Okay. So we go to the meeting. Glory of the Lord's coming. And I started laying hands on people. I needed a catcher. Guess who I got to catch for me? So Baptist is catching the anointing. He's catching more than the people. I'm just, well, like, well, and he's getting it. Hallelujah. And the next night is youth night. So I preach to the youth a really strong message on the five wise and the five foolish. And what separated the two was their preparation. The wise prepared and the foolish did not prepare. And conviction came. Several of these young people gave their hearts to Jesus. They were weeping under conviction. And uh, guess he's getting hit over to my left. Baptist is getting baptized. Hallelujah. He's over there. He can't, he can't keep his head up because his sins were weighing him down. And... So I, I wouldn't, I'm wouldn't going to force the issue. I just, you know, we went driving. I'm just talking. Tell me about your girlfriend. Yeah. What, what are you doing? He's in law school. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not saying, I'm not judging. I'm not doing anything to mess with him except just loving him. Thank you, Lord. I just let love go out my pores. Hallelujah. And poor Baptiste is miserable, you know. I mean, he's just like... And then the next day, he's not even going to come to Sunday church because it was his girlfriend's birthday celebration. But you know what? He came for most of the service and then went to the birthday celebration. And then the last night that we were there in Valence, in a special service with several churches coming together, I saw Baptist just break down weeping. And I saw his entire family surrounding him weeping. I saw he and his mother be reconciled right there, just weeping, weeping, weeping over each other. The power of forgiveness and reconciliation and all the stuff had just melted away because his heart was turned to the presence of God again. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. The first thing that he called them closer. Then he said he wanted them to repair the altar. Verse 30. Repair the altar of the Lord. 
I want to just take just a little bit of time right here. The importance of the altar. Men, the importance of a family altar. Husbands, fathers, mothers. The importance of a family altar. The importance of this altar. The importance that the fire, like it says in the Old Testament, that the fire on the altar never goes out. Well, what do you mean? What do you speak of when you say the fire on the altar? Do we light a candle? No, I'm talking about the fire of first love. I'm talking about the fire of love for Jesus that burns beyond any other flames. Hallelujah. The fire that says, Whoopee! I'm in love with God! I wish you could see some of your faces right now when I did that. Whoa! Where did they get this guy? <laughs> the excitement of living every day, not knowing what adventure God is going to bring your way. The adventure of going to Him in prayer and watching all heaven move in your direction because of simple prayer. The, the joy of going out on a treasure hunt and being led by the Spirit to find somebody that He wants to speak to and seeing them give their life to Jesus. Seeing like our kids, seeing people healed on the streets, seeing like we've seen people healed on the streets and cancers falling off in the, in the pavement. Thank you, God. The joy of just, yeah! My friends call me the walking iPod. You never know what song I'm going to sing. The greatest hits of the 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s. I never know what's going to just pop up, what worship song I can go from a headbanger to an old hymn just like that. <laughs> Repair the altar. Yesterday, we've enjoyed such a great time with our family. But I wanted to say to the family, look, football or movies does not rule our house. Again, I thank you for your overwhelming affirmation. <laughs> football, our, our movies don't rule our house. And I just, we were doing worship, family worship. Singing to the Lord, there was sweet presence of God, and I just gave them two scriptures. One that I preached here the last time I preached about Simon, Jesus coming into Simon's house and finding no greeting, no anointing, no worship. And then the woman came and just poured out the precious all over him. And then on down in Luke, you see. Martha welcoming Jesus into her home. And I just told my family, I said, we protocol His presence here. We honor Jesus first. We welcome Jesus here. And when He stands at our door and knocks, He needs to know He's always welcome. And this door is always open to Him. Hallelujah. And there's nothing that supersedes or takes priority over His presence. And it was amazing once we reaffirmed that 
how everything shifted. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. If you need to just pick up some of the fallen stones around you, repair them, rebuild them, and bring your family back to Jesus. Then we see that after the repairing of the altar, that he put wood on to get ready for what God was going to send. He needed something that fire could burn. He put it in order. He poured out all this precious water on top of the wood and on the sacrifice. But he knew all the time what he was about and what he was doing because he knew who he was calling on. He was calling on the God who answers with fire. And that's who we call on this morning. We are calling on the God that answers with fire. Back in the 1857 revival, there was a businessman named Jeremiah Lampfear who tried to gather men for prayer right there, at, uh, almost at ground zero, uh, uh, where the Twin Towers fell in New York City, right at Wall Street, right at the hub of the financial district of our nation. He couldn't gather hardly... And I think there were maybe six men that gathered the first Wednesday that they prayed during lunch. On the next week, they had maybe 18. But then the third week or so, the financial markets crashed. And then they ended up having hundreds come to the prayer meeting. And then the hundreds turned to thousands. And then the thousands turned to hundreds of thousands. And then this revival swept all the way across our nation. And I even have seen the Denver Post headlines of that, that year say, State House and government closed today for prayer and fasting. Thank you, Lord. Can you imagine that happening again in Denver? Because one man got things back in order again. And he began to call on the God that answers with fire. And God answered him with fire. We see in the turning of hearts, we understand that that's really what repentance is all about, isn't it? It really means turning of heart or to change the way that we think. To, to be turned from something and turned to. In Acts chapter 26... We see this commission or mandate over the Apostle Paul's life. And really, it's on each of our lives. Verse 17 And I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you. Verse 18 To open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance amongst those who are being sanctified by faith in me. Thank you, Lord. I'd like for our sister on the keyboard, if you'd come and just begin to play. He wants to turn hearts. He wants our sons and daughters 
to return back to Him. Thank you, God. There had been this diabolical assignment against children of the covenant in these past decades. And it has intensified. And I just want to take the sword of the Spirit and dissever those and break those assignments in Jesus' name. I want to see the Spirit of God fall in family meetings this season where prodigals will just feel the need for repentance and want to come back home. Where when they gather here to do out of respect, gather and come here on Sunday to be with families, that there would be an arresting of their attention heavenward. Hallelujah. That heaven will hold their heart. And there's so many staggering and wandering around that are basically orphaned. Basically out here in Granbury, Greater Granbury, that they don't know Father. Their family connections are not strong. And they need to be turned from the power of Satan to the power of God, to the power of Jesus Christ. And let's qualify right now. Jesus is mighty to save. Jesus is mighty to save. He is a redeemer. He's really, really, really good at it. Hallelujah. Just look at me. He is mighty to say, by His blood He has redeemed us from every nation, kindred, tribe, and tongue. And not only has He redeemed us, but He has redeemed this ground that we are on right now. God, you know, what would it be like if there was a gathering on this hill where the altar was so right and so prepared and things were so in order that fire just started coming and everybody started hearing something's happening at generations. I mean... There's a fire there. And when I go there, like Wesley said, I felt my heart strangely warm. We feel the burning of His love in that place. We feel love, acceptance, and forgiveness in that place. It's more than just singing a few songs and having a word shared. It's where, where, where is your heart? Who has your heart? What motivates you? What do you live for? Who do you live for? Holy Spirit, turn our hearts. 
Holy Spirit. Come and baptize us again in your love and in your fire. Let everything that needs to be consumed out of our lives, let it burn in Jesus' name. Let wrong ideas, wrong concepts, wrong habits, wrong thoughts, let all those things just be burned away. Let every idol be consumed in the fire of your jealousy. Turn our hearts back to you. It's amazing. It's amazing the power of one given life. One life, it said, you know what? I'm just going to go for it. I don't want to live for myself. I don't want to live for this world. I've been cheated and wronged long enough. I just want to live for God. I just want to burn for Him night and day, night and day, night and day. I just want this reality of His presence to be the passion of my life all the time. I want to be I want to be with Him, not against Him. I asked the Lord when He just began to drop this into my heart driving here. I ask Him, and I want to just share this word, and it not happen. I don't want to just preach a sermon. I want to see with my eyes, hearts turning to you. I want to see it, Lord. I want to see and hear a cry, release God. That would reverberate from this hill in Granbury, reverberate all over the region. The Lord, he is God. 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 I am so amazed and I'm, I'm so blessed that when we come here to the States and there's just so many churches, so many churches everywhere. I mean, when I minister in Syria, I minister in a Catholic church. It's wonderful. Hallelujah. I prophesy over the nuns. They call me Father. Thank you, God. But right here, right now, in this churched area, there are desperate people that need God. They've been churched but not reached. Turn our hearts, oh God. That's what the release of the spirit of Elijah was all about. That was what John the Baptist was all about. A voice crying in the wilderness. Prepare the way of the Lord. And make his path straight. And they came from all segments of the society to hear this man who said, repent 
for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I just want to give an opportunity for any heart here that just wants to say to the Lord, I want my heart completely turned. I want my heart just like water in your hands. Turn my heart, oh God. If that's you, I'd welcome you now to just rise up and come to this physical altar. And we will begin to seek the Lord together. We are at a very critical point in our nation. I am praying, Lord, turn the hearts of our leaders to you. I am praying. I am praying for heaven's agenda. I am praying for young people. I am praying for the disenfranchised. I am praying, God. God, I am praying for leaders and churches. I am praying, Lord, turn our hearts back to you. Can you imagine what it would look like if there was a 100% conversion rate in Granbury? Can you imagine the meetings that would take place in this city amongst the church of Granbury where there would be these awesome worship times where people would be bowing and saying, You're the Lord. You are our God. We have, you have turned our hearts back to you. Father, right now, Father, you are the God that answers by fire. I pray this altar, the fire that is kindled on this altar this morning would not go out, God. I pray for revivalists to be raised up and released, Father. I pray, God, that you would part out of this people, that you would send not just one, not just ten, not just hundreds, but I pray, Lord, that you would send hundreds, God, into this region and into the world with the fire of revival on oh, this, Father, I pray. Abigail, will you come? I pray that you would turn every heart. I want to just encourage you right where you are. Just ask the Lord for a fresh baptism of his fiery love in your life. One of the things that was spoken of by Evan Roberts, the great revivalist, he said, he had these rules and he said sin must be confessed he said that there must be prompt obedience to the Holy Spirit there must be acts of obedience and just release that now thank you Lord thank you Father yeah
for the faith that was delivered. Thank you, Lord. But just really believe that that you're going to come into a real season as a congregation of contending, contending for the full purpose of heaven, for for this location, for the church. And, yeah... I hear this scripture now. He set before you an open door, but there are many adversaries, and it's like what I'm seeing right now is there's preemptive strikes that the devil is trying to release against this congregation. 
And it's related to specifically to the mission thrust of the church. But God has opened many nation doors. There are nation doors open to this church. And there's going to have to be a solidifying and a resolve of heart amongst the laborers, the intercessors, and warriors of the church to hold fast the position that God has given to you. And do not be weary in your well-doing because there is going to be a reward. There is a reward, says the Lord. There is a reward, says the Lord. I give you praise. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I thank you right now. Release of fire. statement my pastor used to make this when I was a teenager to say nothing and nobody is worth going to hell over I just want to make that again nothing and nobody is worth going to hell over thank you Jesus when you find Jesus you find everything that you need he is the pearl of great price and by the way you are his pearl of great price and he'll sell the He'll sell everything to buy the field just to get to you. Hallelujah. That's His relentless love. We give you praise. We thank you, Lord. We give you thanks and praise, Jesus. Lord, I ask you right now for increase of the anointing. Whoa. of your spirit and power God over the sisters Lord show I just hear this Pastor Allen I just hear that he's giving you an anointing to stand Having done all, therefore, just stand. He's given you this field. And I see that just like there were men that came and stood back to back with David to fight over the field, I see that God has given you men that will cover your back. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Wow, that is so strong. Oh, it was a season when your back wasn't covered and you felt vulnerable. God wants me to tell you that He's given you now men that will cover your back. Whoa! Wow, it's time to raise up young warriors. It's time to teach and instruct on warfare the young warriors hallelujah whoa like Gideon he said look at me and do what I do there's going to be an example of your life that's going to be imparted 
to the next generation of leaders in Generation Church. They're going to carry, they're going to carry more of what God has given to you. They're going to carry it in a greater measure. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Whoa. Whoa. There's an anointing for release that's on your life. An anointing to release others. That is so related to the next generation. Hallelujah. There is a mantle of a father on you. You are fathering already. You know this. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, for the spirit of Elijah that rests on Alan. Whoa! I ask, Lord, to just increase, increase, increase. Lord, I pray that you would anoint. Anoint his times, the Lord, his, his personal times of worship before you. Whoa! May they be rich and sweet and deep, Lord. Thank you, Father. I just want to keep this proactive. If you there, just want to you lay hands on your over your heart if you want and just say, Lord, just, just meet me. Just baptize my heart in your love, Lord. Desire. So Be set before you like incense, God. Ho, ho, it's like an incense, Lord, rising. Whoa! Thank you, Lord, for the winds that carry the fragrance of that incense, not only through and by you, Lord, but into this region, Father. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Thank you, Jesus. has healed you, you're going to be a giver and releaser of that anointing. Thank you for more, more. Just uh, what I'm seeing now is that I just saw a vision. There's an anointing for visions right now. And I just want to stir up any that, that have had dreams and visions, seasons of dreams and visions, but it's been a long time since that's happening. I thank you, Lord, for the release of dreams and visions over your people. You know, 
Joseph just dreamed a dream and his whole family. He lived his dream with his family. And God wants you to live your dream with your family. Hallelujah. So Lord, I ask you right now for the release of dreams and visions. Hallelujah. Just open access. The Lord just says there's open access to Him. And, and you're going to lay down and find the heavens opened up over your life. We worship you, Father. We worship you, God. We worship you, Lord. There was an anointing that they were anoint uh, on the doorposts of their homes so that no sickness or plague could come near the dwelling. And the spirit of death had to pass over. And I thank you, Lord, for the anointing on this home, Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord, for the release of resurrection life and power. Whoa.